we are in the middle of an inward journey series. What's that about? Well, we're, we've broken up the year into three journeys, inward, upward, and outward, and they're all focusing on different aspects of spiritual growth, which is really our, our theme for the year. And the inward journey is about your identity primarily. How do we focus on who we're supposed to be and who we are in God, and how do we trim off the parts that don't belong? I had the thought during first service of, I think it was Sesame Street, the old song, one of these things is not like the other, one of these things just doesn't belong. It, right, it reminded me of my, of my ute, as my mom would say. And, uh, you know, part of this series is trimming off the things that aren't like the other, that don't belong. So we're focusing on identity this morning as well, and we are going to talk about freedom, freedom from sin and freedom from Satan, but we're going to talk about it with an identity focus, kind of an identity angle, so I might be going at it a little differently than, than you might have heard it before, and I have to say I talked about it from this angle about two years ago, and this message is just a matured and I guess, a germinated message that could have been preached two years ago had I thought about it this much, but I hadn't. So today you get to hear the matured version of that. So let's start out with this. Freedom is a part of the call. Aren't you guys glad for that? When you were called to be a Christian, when you responded to Christ's call in your life, you were responding to a call to freedom. These are two verses in Galatians smashed together, as I like to do. For freedom Christ has set us free, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Freedom, it's there. You are supposed to have it. It's part of the call. And in a sense, it's yours already. And in a sense, it's a goal. There are some things that we need to get free from, right? More free. Does anybody ever struggle with anything? Anything at all? Can we all raise our hands, please? Are you breathing? We're all breathing. It's good. No dead people here. Excellent. So next week, Marilee's going to talk about steps to victory. And that's freedom in this context progressive freedom, getting more free from things that used to beset us and drag us down. But that's not what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about freedom in three different ways. First, we're going to talk about freedom as a freedom from and a freedom to. You were freed from something and you are freed to something. We're going to unpack what that means and I checked the sanctuary for rocks. There are no rocks in here, so it is without fear that I show this next part of the slide. I want to make the point that freedom is not your identity. Freedom is a result of your identity, but not the identity itself. I know, right? I was, I was like, how do I phrase this? And I guess I'll just write it. It's a result of your identity. It's not your identity itself. By the end of the message, I hope that seems right and not like heresy. So that's kind of my goal. It's one of my goals. Modest, modest goals not to be dragged out of here by my feet. All right. Romans 6, 15 to 23. This is going to be the verse we focus on. This is a whole lot of Paul. I will try to breathe when I read this and not try to read the whole thing in one breath and pass out, which is bad. We've talked about that before. It's an ongoing struggle for me. If you were to read this every morning for the next week, Romans 6, 15 to 23, Read it, set the Bible down, and just sit with the Lord for about 10 minutes and ponder it. Everything that I'm about to say this morning would just be revealed to you by the Lord. It's all in here. This is my whole message in its entirety, and all I'm going to do after this is just unpack. So let's focus on this and really get it. Romans 6, 15 to 23. We start out, this is so Paul. What then? What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. 
Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching. That's, that's doctrine. That's right belief. Did you guys know that's important? It matters to believe the right thing, just as an aside. To the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Romans 6.23. Can we just repeat this out loud? This is something every, every Christian needs to have this on a note card until you memorize it. Here we go. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is all of my message. Amen. We're all done. There are snacks in the foyer. Get your kids from Children's Church. No, not really. We're going to go on a little bit longer. <clears throat> the main point that I want to focus on from Paul, I'm going to allow one of the great Christians of our time, Leonard Duke, beseeched me not to call this guy a saint, but I'm going to do it anyway, St. Bob. St. Bob said, <laughs> you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. You've heard the phrase, the oldest trick in the book, right? That's the oldest trick in the book. You want to know what the oldest trick in the book actually is? Autonomy. Self-rule. When the devil showed up to Adam and Eve and they said, eat the fruit, you'll be like God. Hey, he's holding back on you. Just eat this fruit. I'm like, wow. If I eat this fruit, I'm like, God, I decide the rules. I decide what I can do. I decide what I can't do. The only, the only agenda, the only trajectory or course for my life is set by me. I can do that? And the devil said, yeah, absolutely. Oldest trick in the book. Let me tell you the truth. That is not and can never be the type of freedom we live in. That is not available. It is not an option. And we're going to unpack that in this message as well. Freedom on those terms, being the only authority over yourself, only exists for God the Father. It doesn't even really exist for Jesus. No rocks, I checked. They're not there. They're not in the seat back in front of you. We're going to unpack that as well. It only exists for God the Father, and it's not an option for us. That is not the freedom we're talking about. The freedom we're talking about is really a choice. Who do you want to serve? You've been freed from one thing and freed to another. And you know, Paul wrote this in Rome. And in Rome, a lot of the population were slaves. And don't think about uh, Cinderella and rags, you know, scrubbing the floor. You could have a really good job and still be a slave. You could be a physician and be a slave. You could be a scribe or a lawyer type and be a slave. Thousands and thousands of people in Rome knew what it was like to be under a master and to serve in a house. And so I'm going to compare and contrast two houses this morning. The house of the devil 
or sin, as Paul calls it, and the house of the Lord. Does that sound interesting? Let's do it. Let's talk about what we've been freed from first. Let's talk about the house of sin. And I've chosen this image to represent the house of sin. Now, we got one person that knew what this was in first service. Who knows what this is a picture of? I see the gears turning, Rory. It is Resident Evil. Very good. This is the mansion from the original Resident Evil video game on PlayStation 1. <laughs> Represent old fogies. I hear people laughing. That's fine. You know, we used to have overnights and just play this game for like eight hours. We beat it in one night. It was amazing, and it's creepy. But a fitting representation of the house of the devil, okay? So roll with me. It's an analogy. Come on, Grace. Here we go. This is where we start. This might seem uncomfortable, but we need to understand this. Everybody starts as a slave in this house. This is some identity. These are some identity verses about all of us before Christ. You ready? Okay, here we go. Romans 5, 8, the chapter before Romans 6. God shows his love for us in that while we were still, what's that word? Sinners, Christ died for us. Sinners belong in the house of sin. That's their fitting place. And it's actually worse than that. Here's another one from Romans 5. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. You know, enemies belong in the house of the adversary. Sinners belong in the house of sin, and enemies belong in the house of the adversary. It's an uncomfortable truth to realize I wasn't just trapped there, and you were, we're going to talk about that later, but I belonged there. It was really my home. Jesus said this to the Jews who believed in him in John 8. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, again, okay, not those uppity know-it-all Pharisee jerks. These are the people that had actually given Jesus credence. They say, hey, we like what you're saying. We trust you. We believe you. You have authority. We want to hear what you have to say. So Jesus is now going to give them some wisdom, and he says this, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They were bothered by that. And they said to him, we are offspring of Abraham. They keep saying that in this chapter. We're Abraham's children. Abraham is our father. We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, almost in the exact words of Paul, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Makes sense. But they continue to push back and say, we're not slaves to sin. We're Abraham's descendants. Abraham is our father. Abraham is our father. Abraham is our father. These are the Jews that believe in Jesus, and Jesus is setting them up. Jesus is really good. If you read the Bible, Jesus is pretty awesome. He knows his audience. He knows what he's doing. He is an expert tactician with arguments. He's setting them up. Because he wants to drop this bomb on them, and he wants them to realize where they are. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. You're in the house under that master because it's exactly where you belong. We start there. We belong there. It's uncomfortable. It's unpopular. It's not a very glorious view of unsaved humanity. But this is true. Sinners and enemies, we all were. Let's talk about our old boss. I read something recently. It said, people don't quit jobs, people quit bosses. Has this been true for anybody in here? That has been 
So true for me. We could share stories later if you like. But, I mean, even some good jobs, if you have a rotten boss, man, oh man, that makes it worse. Well, the whole house is bad, but let's talk about the master, okay? Listen to this description of his character. He, meaning the devil, was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Whoa, and Jesus is attacking their dad, right? He's like, let me tell you about your dad. He's a murderer and he's a liar. There's no truth in him. Wow, doesn't sound like a boss or a master I want. I don't think I'd like to be in his house long enough to deliver a pizza. Nevertheless, be a servant there. But it gets worse. In Revelation chapter 12, we see what most people think is a, a heavenly view of the Christmas story. And it talks about the war going on in heaven, about how furious the devil was that the Messiah was coming into the world. And it gives this description of the devil in Revelation 12. Woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. The dragon, that's the devil, became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. Who's that? On those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Look at this picture of the old master. Look at this picture of the guy who runs this house. He's a liar. He's murderous. He's wrathful. He's desperate. You know, desperation makes people dangerous. I imagine desperation makes the devil even more dangerous. He knows his time is short, and he really wants to hurt God, but he couldn't do that, so he's going to hurt his kids instead, and that's us. You want to serve there? Is that a house you want to be a slave in? Does it, that doesn't seem like a very good idea to me. And some of us right now, I mean, if you're like me, and you've, you've, you've had a conversion experience, you know, I think the best testimony in the world, by the way, are the people that talk to me and say, gosh, I wish I had an interesting conversion story, but oh, poor me. I've just been awesome from birth. You know, I've just never fallen off the rails. I've never rebelled. I've just been faithful to the Lord, and the Lord's been faithful for me my whole life. Doesn't that stink? I just don't have a testimony. I can't relate. I want to shake those people. I'm like, that's the best testimony. Amen. Praise the Lord. You did it. Like, we need to celebrate those people, okay? And if the church has ever made you feel like, if that's you, that you're second rate because you didn't wreck your life at some point, I apologize. Hey, I wish I'd done it like you, okay? Trust me. But for those of us who did have that period, let yourself think back. Sometimes it's good to do that. Let yourself think back to what it was like in that house. Remember, it was bad. It was bad. Here are some of the expectations if you're serving in that house. As some of us remember, you were expected to do shameful things and to feel ashamed. You were expected to degrade yourself and to encourage others to degrade themselves. You were expected to be utterly foolish and to think you were wise. Expect to be neglected. Expect to be abused. Expect to be hurt. And expect to be used if you're in this house. You can expect only to spiral downward into increasing sinfulness. Expect to grow less and less able to feel the sting of conscience, conscience, even as things get worse. And you can expect to slowly but surely take on the attributes and the character of your master. 
if you hang out there long enough. And it gets worse than that because there's an ultimate end that Romans 6.23 tells us about for these people. At the end of the day, you get paid. And this is the worst part. Because what are the wages of living in this house? The wages of sin is death. Death and judgment. This is bleak. It's sick. It's twisted. And depending on where you were before Jesus or even what's in your history right now, some of you, this is not a joke. You might be feeling really uncomfortable. The butterflies are starting. Hey, you know what? We just need to acknowledge that some of us were abused and some of us were abusers, okay? Some of us have done horrible things that when we think back, we can't believe that was actually us. And some of us have had horrible things done to us. And when we look back, we wish that wasn't our life either. But that's reality. This house is ugly. It's bad. And most people have a moment of clarity. You get your life viewed from a distance, and you realize all of a sudden, where am I? I don't want to be here anymore. How did I get here? And you want out. I had a moment like that where I saw myself for who I was. I saw the house for what it was. I saw the master for who it was. And there's a panic that accompanies that. There's a desperation that accompanies that. And you just want to be done. But if you want out of this house, tough luck. Because the devil's desperate, and he's sick, and he's angry, and he's insecure, and the door is locked, and you are trapped. There is no exit. There is no egress. You can't get out. And he's not letting anybody in. You're stuck. Don't raise your hand. But who has felt stuck in old patterns, old ways of life, old habits? Amen. Come on, man. Yeah, raise that hand. Do it. You feel stuck. All right, then. No, I applaud that courage. Because you realize this is hopeless. Because the enemy is stronger than I am. And nobody's coming in here to get me. Except this one guy who talked about his job description like this. Said no one can enter the strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. How do you bind a strong man? Well, you kick his butt first and you tie him up. Binds the strong man and then indeed he may plunder his house. Jesus is telling this story because they're like, who do you think you are healing these people and casting out demons? And he's like, I'm the guy that came to kick the devil's butt and tie him up and plunder his house. What is he plundering? What's he taking? Us. Us. We had no hope of getting out. We needed Jesus to kick in the door. And if you've been feeling that, that sick weight of remembrance of the situation you used to be in and what your life used to be, Oh man, oh man, oh man. The kind of Jesus you needed is not this one. Because what the heck is that? Oh my goodness. What is that in his hand? Is that supposed to be like the weapon that he uses to fight off the wolves and the bears? Like he could snap that with his thumb. Look at the, oh, the look on his face. Like that's not the guy, guys. Look, this is not Jesus, right? This is just an artistic representation of Jesus that I happen to dislike very much, and I'm not going to mince any words with you. And you know what else I hate about this picture? Look at that lamb. Am I supposed to identify with this lamb? Because that's not the way I felt when I realized who I was in the house I was in and who my master was. I didn't feel like that. Okay? Real easy. That's not me. That's not the Jesus I needed, and I don't think he could win with that stick. All right? 
Now the next slide I'm going to show you is not a joke. I got some chuckles first, first service, but permit me, if you will, to show you a slide that I think more accurately captures the heart of the strong man binding Jesus that plunders the house of the devil. I don't like Hollywood. I don't own a TV currently. I don't like blockbusters. I don't like going to see movies. I don't like swearing, and I don't like graphic violence. That said, there's a movie that I own and that I will endorse, put the kids to bed if you watch it, because I think they accidentally captured the furious heart of God better than anything else I've ever seen. And I think it was a complete accident, but I, when I watch this movie, I cry because I think that's, that's God. That's the one that saved me. That's him right there. And this is a still frame from that movie. If you have never watched Terminator 2, Looking for the Heart of God, all right? Now, I'm saying it. I can't believe I am. Don't let your kids watch it. The F word's all over the movie. I'm not making any apologies for that, okay? Just real. It represents the furious, door-kicking, strong man-binding heart of Jesus that will do anything and sacrifice anything to save his kids. And that punk delinquent in the background there that thought he knew everything until he realized what the situation really was and who he really was and what he really needed, I, I feel more like him than that sheep. And you know, I'm so glad that that shotgun represents more accurately the disposition and the armaments of my Lord than some thin little twizzler stick. Because that represents more the Jesus I needed to get free from what we've been free from. Can we get an amen? Amen. You've been set free from the house of the devil by the only one that could do it, God himself. He kicked in the door and he saved you. And when he saved you, just like he cast the demons out of the man when he crosses the Sea of Galilee and he comes out of the tombs and he just says, get out of here and the demons leave and he's in his right mind. That guy wanted to go with Jesus, didn't he? You remember that? He said, hey, let me come with you. This should be all of our hearts because Jesus doesn't just rescue us and sit us on the curb and say, didn't that stink? Well, take it easy and then rides off on his Harley to keep the metaphor. No way. He sets you free and then he brings you. Where do you think he brings you? Him, to his house. We are set free too. We have a freedom to serve God. This wasn't available before. Stop thinking of this as an obligation. This is a thing that you were not able to do before you were free from. But now that you're free from, you're free to serve God. This is what I've chosen to represent God's house. And do you know why I picked that? Because I didn't like the picture of Downton Abbey that I had at first. And I decided to change it. But this works just as well. Let's cross this bridge right now. This is a chunk of Romans 6. I've compressed it. I like to do that. I am a shameless compressor because I told you where it is. You can go read the whole chapter if you want. If you present yourselves to anyone as obedient, let's just say slaves. If you present yourselves to anyone as obedient, you are of the one to whom you obey. Having been set free from sin, have become of righteousness. So now present your members as to righteousness, leading to sanctification. You have been set free from sin and have become of God. Isn't that cheerful? Look at that. Slaves everywhere. It is all over that passage. Slaves, slaves, slaves. Some biblical translators will translate this servants because they feel like it softens the blow. I also think it, it does soften the blow, but it kind of misses it because if you get the 
Blue Letter Bible app, which I plug every time I speak, and everybody should get it, so you can be a fake Greek scholar just like me. <laughs> Slaves actually means to make a slave of, to reduce to bondage, metaphorically, to give myself wholly to one's needs and service, and to make myself a bondman to him. It means you become a slave. We can say servant, if you like. You're a servant in the house of God. And these are the only two options. Dylan was right. You've got to serve somebody. It can be the devil or it can be the Lord. Good news, you weren't free to serve God when you were in bondage to the devil, but you're free from that, so you're free to this. Here comes the backlash. Well, Anthony, I'm not a slave, and I refuse to think of myself that way because I'm a son. I'm a son or a daughter of God, and I'm not a slave. You know, I've got to tell you, that was exactly my thought. I was in my undergrad, and we had a professor who was actually, he was also a Baptist preacher, and I was raised Baptist. So he's hammering this home, man, slaves, we're slaves. The number one word used to describe followers of Christ is slaves, and he wrote out the Greek word on the board, and man, I pushed back hard and immediately, you know, because I'm like, no, we're sons and daughters, we're redeemed. And he took me to school. So I'm going to share that lesson with you. Do you guys want to be sons and daughters? It's okay to say amen. It's not a trick. Amen. Well, there's a guide for that. Here's what it looks like. I can do nothing on my own as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Hmm. It's a little ambiguous maybe, but it seems like whoever said this, I wonder who it was, isn't doing anything on his own, and he seeks someone else's will. That sounds like he has a, a boss. You know, sounds kind of like servitude. Here's another quote. I can do nothing on my own authority. Oh, gee, it's a little clearer, but I speak just as the Father taught me. Nothing on my own authority. Man, it sounds like somebody who's operating under someone else's authority, doesn't it? Like maybe a servant. Here's an even more explicit one. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the capital T, capital S, the Son, telling us what it looks like to live as a Son, and it looks like service. To say that you're a servant of God does not mean that you're not a son or daughter of God. To the contrary, it means you're fulfilling what it looks like to live life as a son or a daughter of God. This is the only option we have. Do you want to be free? Who wants some freedom? And it's okay to think of the things in your life that you want to be free from. That's cool. Do you want that? Do you want to live free? This is the way to get it. In Jesus, we have freedom too. Freedom to serve God as Jesus himself did. Because paradoxically, true freedom is only available if we take on the identity of a servant. Remember I said freedom isn't your identity, it's a result of it? Here's the identity. We're sons and daughters and servants of God. And true freedom is found only in that. Here's another command from Paul. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Huge. But rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. This is where freedom is. This is what it looks like to live life as a son or a daughter of God. Amen. Amen. Good news. 
this house has some expectations too, but they're not the expectations like the old house. And the old house, you didn't have a choice. It was bondage. You were expected to do terrible things. But you know what? We've been freed from that and freed to this. So let's read this list and let's say free to. In God's house, you are free to act with honor and, te- and integrity. These options were not available before. None of them. Everything on this list is new. You are free to be a part of an encouraging community. You are free to learn to recognize and live out true wisdom. You are free to be cared for, free to be healed, free to be coached, and free to be corrected. Pause. Why do we dislike correction? Why do we dislike leadership? Do you think the devil was going to take the time and the energy to correct you to make you better? We are free to be corrected only in the house of God because only good parents will get down in the trenches with their kids. Only good leaders will get down in the trenches and get their hands dirty trying to bring people up. Let's change the way we think of that. We're free to be corrected because God cares about how we're formed and how we're maturing. We're free to soar upward into increasing righteousness. We're free to grow more and more able to hear God's voice. And we are free, and you will, in fact, slowly but surely take on the attributes of your father. It's going to happen when you hang out in his house. And it's sweet, and it's awesome. And when you look back, sometimes a month ago, but, you know, sometimes a year or two ago, and you think, wow, I'm different, and I like me better now. <laughs> then, actually, interestingly, if you think about what you'll be like in two years and what you might think of yourself now, that, that can be kind of weird. So just enjoy where you're at. Hang out in God's house. And you know, at the end of it, I got to tell you, you don't get paid. You don't get what you deserve for a life of service in the Father's house. Romans 6.23, my clicker just stopped working. The internet's down. That's cool. You know what? Switching to auxiliary mode, pulling up slides on the phone. We're all good. Sorry, guys. But you don't get paid in God's house. John Stott brought this to my attention in his commentary. Actually, I borrowed it from Mark. But you get the free gift of God. You get grace at the end of this service, and that grace is eternal life. Forget the wages. You get grace. It trumps the house of the devil in every single way. I wish that I could click forward to the next slide. Yes, amen, preach. Let's talk about our new boss, shall we? As if that's not good enough. He's not just our master. This one we can proudly call father. We can proudly call him our father because that's what he is. And this is what the Bible says about him. When God introduces himself to Moses and says, this is what I'm like in Exodus 34, he says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, and that implies thousands of generations, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Wow. This echoes through the entire Old Testament. You want to know what the character of God is like and what it's always been like? This is it. And the Old Testament people knew it. You better believe it. Read the story of Jonah. Who knows the story of Jonah? He was a punk, man. And God said, hey, Jonah, go to this pagan city full of terrible pagan people that are doing terrible, atrocious things and tell them I'm going to judge that city. And Jonah runs away. But you know why he ran away? Because he's a jerk. Because he wanted those terrible pagan people to get what they deserved. And he knew the character of God. That if they actually repented, God would forgive them. 
That's what happens. This is his beef with God at the end of the book of Jonah. He said, I knew this would happen. This is why I ran away. Because you're gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And this is for some people today, relenting from disaster. I am glad that God is a God that relents from disaster. This is the character of Jesus. And I'll tell you what, some of you astute Bible scholars may have noticed that the ellipse after sin in Exodus 34, I cut a part off. And I did that to make it flow better and fit on the slide. But it says, he also won't leave the guilty unpunished. Don't be freaked out by that. That's the door-kicking, strongman-binding part. We love that too. We need that too. This is who we get to serve. Let's end with some warnings, because I like to do that. Who's happy with this? Are you happy you're free from? Amen. Are you happy you're free too? Good. You know, we need to take this seriously. The devil was really insecure and desperate, and he locked us in the basement. We have an almost, it is an intimidating amount of liberty and freedom in the Christian life. God gives you so much respect, it's horrifying. So we need to take responsibility for our lives. We need to take responsibility for our service to him, okay? And here are some warnings about that. Warning one, don't visit the old master's house. God doesn't have a closed campus. If you wanted to walk out the door and go down the street and see how things were going at the old place, that's a horrifying possibility. But it's a possibility. Don't do it. You're free from that. Paul says this in Romans 6, do not let sin reign. Don't allow sin to be your king in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. He says this because it's a possibility. Even after you've been freed from, don't walk down the street and go back in the old house. All God's people said, amen. Amen. All right. Warning two. Don't live like you're still in the old house. You've been set free from that. And Paul says you are slaves of the one you obey. If you're set free from that, you go to the new house and you call the old master on the phone and say, what would you do in this situation? That's crazy. Don't bring the old culture, the old mindset, the old ideology, the old directives, the old way of doing things, the old just status quo of the old place into the new place. It's not welcome. Let yourself be changed. Let yourself be renewed and transformed. Let life come in and death go out. Avoid the old habits. They are not your master anymore. Don't let them act like they are. And thirdly, it's probably better just not to leave the house. <laughs> it's a big, big house with lots and lots of room and a big yard where we can play. I did it. That's right, I did it. And they don't serve breakfast in hell. All right. First Peter 5a. Uh, serious time, guys. Stop it. Be sober. It's in the Bible. I'm reading it next. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone who has strayed from the house, seeking someone to devour. Don't forget he's bigger than you, you know? I really feel like I've been talking to some people lately, and I actually feel like we're in a, a season right now where the devil is just, he's just trying what worked in the past with believers. He's got his hooks, and he's looking to see if the eye bolt's still in there to pull people back. I think we're in a time where we need to be diligent and vigilant about not allowing ourselves to be pulled out of the house, pulled back to old ways of life, 
pulled back to old ways of thinking, old modes of behavior, old addictions, old people. Be vigilant because he will eat you. He is prowling around to pick you off. That's his goal. And you're freed from that, no doubt. And you're free to serve the Lord, no doubt. But don't forget how you win. You don't win against the devil by fighting the devil. You win against the devil by getting behind God. Rely on the Lord that kicked down the door in the first place. Draw near to him. He'll draw near to you. You let him fight the battle. You rest in him. And you will enjoy being free. Amen? Amen. I'm going to give it to Adam to close. Thank you. Thank you. That was a good word. All right. Well, I think that uh, if, you've, uh, if you're a living, breathing person and you saw all the attribute, attributes listed of both houses, there's one that seems uh, much more appealing. Uh, I also think that realistically, uh, you could have been a Christian your entire life or you could have been a Christian since last week, but you could still feel that part of the attributes of the, the Resident Evil house, what do you call that? <laughs> The house of sin, there we go, that sounds better. Uh, that you still experience some of, those, some of those things in your life. Even though you live, uh, like Anthony was saying, you could, you, you, you could live in, in the right place and be in God's house, but you could still be experiencing a part of the effects of the house of sin. And I, I think that this is a great time, this is a great day to, uh, to stop experiencing those. And uh, so we just want to pray and we want to just ask God for, for freedom and, and make the decision to, to live and experience uh, the, the house of God and, and the blessing that we have in that. I also think there's a possibility that there's people in here who have never experienced the freedom of the house of God. And you looked up there and there was all the, the listings of the, the house of sin and that is your life. And that does not have to be your reality. Today that can change. And so if that's you, we're going we're gonna to pray. Uh, but if that's you, if you want to experience <laughs> the freedom and not the death and, the, and that vicious cycle of, of shame, if you want to be free from that today, today can be that day. And after we pray, I just want to invite you to come up here. We'll have a prayer team and tell them, look, I want to I make a change in my life. And you can do that today. Just join me in prayer. Father, we thank you that there is freedom. God, there is life in serving you. There is true freedom in serving you. And Father, right now, I pray that you would just point out to us the things in our life, the things we're holding on to that are just not of you, that are from our past, that are lies from the enemy, that are characteristics of the house of sin. God, point that out to us right now. Open our eyes. And Father, give us the strength to just let go and walk out of that house, walk out of that yard and into your house. Let us open our eyes to where we should be and to where we are truly free. God, we just pray for that freedom and that reality to be in our lives. In Jesus' name, we just reject the enemy in the name of Jesus. And we choose, Jesus, to allow you to be our protector. We thank you that you bind the strong man in every area of our life. And we just agree with that right now in Jesus' name. Amen.